Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Coming up on Forum this morning, disturbing new revelations about the Vallejo Police Department. An investigation by the recently launched news site Open Vallejo finds that a secretive click in the department bends back a point of their badge for each fatal shooting they commit. Founder and executive editor of Open Vallejo, Jeffrey King, will join us to discuss the report. Then we'll get the latest on the tense negotiations in Congress over a new coronavirus relief package as Americans grapple with growing unemployment, a deepening recession, and the potential for widespread evictions. Join us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. An investigative report by Open Vallejo, a recently launched independent news site, has found that a secret clique in the Vallejo Police Department bends back points of their badges to commemorate each time they kill in the line of duty. These revelations came as a shock at a time when the nation is focused on issues of police brutality in less than two weeks after the California Department of Justice announced an investigation into Vallejo police for destroying evidence in the killing of Sean Monterosa. Jeffrey King, who is founder and editor of Open Vallejo, joins us now to discuss the report. And welcome, Jeffrey King. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. And this is a shocking story, bending badges to mark fatal shootings. Uh, the whole story uh, really, in many ways, uh, is alarming, uh, to put it mildly. A secret clique within uh, the police department or a secret society. How did you come upon the story and how do you know it's valid? Sure. So I think that there is um, a lot of chatter right now, particularly coming from City Hall, that this was a lone disgruntled whistleblower, Captain John Whitney, former head of the SWAT team, a guy with two master's degrees, um, who was fired in August of last year after blowing the whistle on this practice. But in reality, uh, Open Vallejo's investigation started nine months ago. Uh, in fact, I only fairly recently spoke with Captain Whitney. Um, this has uh, sort of begun to leak out, uh, began to leak out in early 2019. People in other agencies became aware of it. Uh, sources say that the district attorney and the city attorney of Vallejo both uh, had been apprised of it. Um, and what our investigation found was that 14 officers, um, at least, who are confirmed by multiple sources and possibly many more, 
uh, had engaged in this practice. Um, and there's some important context here. Vallejo has the highest rate of police killings of civilians uh, on average, other than two other cities in California, um, two other departments, a 2019 investigation by NBC Bay Area found. So you have this. Well, excuse me, the most of the Northern California, in fact. Yes, absolutely. And some of the highest civil rights settlements as well, which caused the city to be uh, asked to leave its insurance pool after 31 years in good standing. And so this investigation was based on not only speaking with nearly two dozen uh, law enforcement and other government officials over nine months, but also compiling a database of every single killing by Vallejo police that we could find and every single shooting that we could find uh, going back to 1995, and we're still working on building that out. Um, it involved reviewing hundreds of photographs, some of which I made, uh, including at the swearing-in for the new chief, where I took a picture of uh, then-sergeant, now-lieutenant Steve Darden, uh, and his badge appears bent. You can see that in the story, but also the Vallejo Police Department Facebook page and um, other open source research uh, where you can actually see some of the bends and we'll be publishing more of those. It's very subtle because the city um, switched over to sterling silver badges in 2003, which sources say is about when this practice either started or restarted in Vallejo, um, switched over from brass badges, which are not as cleanly bent and much more obvious. We have examples of those as well that we can Well, excuse me, you mentioned Steve Darden, who was an African-American cop who was recently uh, promoted to lieutenant. Uh, mm -hmm. He essentially has denied this. He says uh, it's fiction, and we've heard that from other people, uh, particularly former uh, Chief uh, Robert Nicholini, who um, actually brought those soft badges, softer badges in back in 2003 and uh, called this a fantasy, a figment of the imagination. On the other hand, you have um, the mayor, who is a retired police sergeant, who s says that he saw these. So you've got kind of contradictory stories here in terms of different police officers. But the story that you printed says that were not only the, the badges bent, but there were barbecue celebrations with killings? Yes, apparently um, tri-tip was one of the things that they would um, frequently cook. Uh, the actual badge bending, our sources say, would sometimes happen at the parties. Um, they would sometimes happen at roll call, which might be even a little more disturbing because that is an official briefing inside the police department uh, at the beginning or at the end of a shift. Um, you know, the other thing that we did just to make clear uh, that this is substantiated is in looking at these photographs, we noticed that the um, bend often starts at the four o'clock point of the badge. And on these sterling silver badges, they're so malleable that uh, it's really just the last eighth of an inch or so of the badge, but you can see it in some of the photographs. So for example, in Sean Kenny's badge, um, Sean Kenny killed three people in five months in 2012. Uh, that year, actually, according to KQED's excellent reporting by um, Alex Emsley, uh, the rate of killings of civilians by police was 38 times the national rate. And, she, about, and uh, excuse me, is it also true, Jeffrey, that uh, you have three police officers accounted for nearly a third of these fatal shootings over the past decade? Do yes, that and right? that's based, yeah. that's based yeah. on research. So we did um, a lot of public records requests last year, and we built uh, first a Google sheet that we're turning into a database, and we're 
going to release that data to the public so it can be um, analyzed by researchers, by uh, law enforcement, um, law enforcement personnel um, who are uh, you know, use forks experts, the public, journalists. Um, we're actually going to be putting out a lot of our data over time. We're talking with Jeffrey King. He's founder and editor of Open Vallejo and founder and CEO of the Inform California Foundation. What do you make of these allegations? You can give us a call now. I invite you to do that and join us at our toll-free number. It's 866-733-6786. The number again for your calls, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're at KQED Forum or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And Maggie tweets, uh, this ritual glorifying police brutality is incredibly revealing about the Vallejo Police Department. We need to make Sean Monterosa the last callous murder by a cop earning this disgusting badge of honor from his peers. Every cop who went to the, those barbecues must speak up now. Uh, let me go back, Jeffrey, to uh, what you've been saying in, in, a, in a broader sense, because we've talked about the Vallejo Police Force before, and this is allegedly and very strongly uh, attested to as a a culture sort of bullies uh, of um, very harsh attitudes toward whistleblowers. It's also uh, tied into the story of a missing windshield, evidence uh, that was presumably going to be put forward in the fatal shooting of Sean Monterosa, a young man, young San Francisco man who died at Walgreens uh, during the George Floyd demonstrations. And uh, at this point, uh, we're trying to sort all this out. I mean, the public is trying to sort all this out. And, and the question is, what can be done and what needs to be done? Sure. So one thing that I find um, distressing is that many members of the public here in Vallejo uh, that we've heard from are not at all surprised by these allegations. They, uh, they are surprised, I suppose, by the details, but um, they kind of figured something like this was lurking. And, uh, I've spoken with several high level law enforcement personnel in the region who have expressed the opinion that the Vallejo police department uh, has really put itself in a position where the only thing left to do is to disband it sort of a Camden, New Jersey model and to reconstitute it. Now there are good officers on the Vallejo police department. I want to make that very clear. Um, and I think that the city would be well served by rehiring some of those people, but that's really what I'm hearing at this point. And the city of Vallejo uh, instead, um, and that's not even one of the asks of activists, it's really just to defund and reallocate and reimagine policing. That's what people are asking for. And then on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, the city council instead passed a new budget. It uh, again gives 46% of the general fund to the police department and in fact is giving them 2.4 million dollars more per year each year uh, in funding while purchasing a three quarter of a million dollar cell site simulator surveillance device during a pandemic um, and paying out millions and millions and millions in civil rights settlements so there there is clearly a disconnect between what a lot of people are expressing to their local officials uh, and what is happening. Again, we're talking to Jeffrey King, founder and editor of Open Vallejo. Let me bring a caller on here. Dell joins us. Dell, welcome. Hi. Um, I had one of the most 
weirdest experiences with the Vallejo police. I grew up in the Bay Area, and I've you know been around all kinds of police. But they put undercover police officers pulled me over, and then because I couldn't find my driver, they pulled me over because I was following somebody too close. Now these are undercover. They were wearing jeans and everything. Then because I couldn't find my ID, they were threatening to take me to jail. Mind you, I had a perfect driving record. Um, then after that, I. I Accused them of lying, and they put me out of the car and smashed me up against the window. Um, You're starting to uh, to cut out on us, unfortunately, Dell. But uh, kind of report that Dill is uh, bringing to our attention here. This is uh, something that you hear a lot from citizens of Vallejo, Jeffrey King. Yes, is that that's the, that's the simplest way to put it. Um, we hear stories like that all the time. Uh, in Vallejo. We've heard stories, credible stories from credible people about people having um, guns put to their head uh, while they're on their knees um, and screamed at uh, at close range. Um, of course, the in the Sean Monterosa killing, the officers were in an unmarked truck and um, Detective Jarrett Tawn fired five rounds from a high-powered suppressed rifle through the windshield um, from the back seat of this truck. Uh, at Sean Monterosa, who was unarmed and struck once through the throat and head. So um, these situations can escalate very quickly, um, in some cases almost instantaneously. And um, these stories are remarkably consistent over time and um, across individuals. And you mentioned John Whiting before, uh, former uh, police captain. He actually had been pushing for an investigation on this score, hadn't he? That's correct. Um, our understanding and our reporting uh, shows that the Willie McCoy shooting, um, Willie McCoy was a 20-year-old musician. He was a community college student, and he fell asleep in his car in the drive through of a Taco Bell uh, in Vallejo. And um, he allegedly had a gun on his, la- on his lap. Um, but six officers showed up and surrounded the car at very close range, I mean, inches from his face, shining tactical flashlights, uh, you know, which are 400, 500, 600 lumen flashlights into his face as he slept and he didn't wake up. And basically they discussed coming up with a plan to pull him out of the car. Um, but at no point did they ever, and they keep kind of showing up and, and surrounding this car at very close range, putting themselves and him and uh, potentially other people in danger. At no point did they back off. At no point did they use time and distance or call the SWAT team. They just, as I understand it, um, acquired a new armored vehicle. And so at some point, Willie McCoy reaches up with his right arm, scratches his left shoulder. And a few seconds later, he is um, dead. 55 rounds shot at him uh, from very close range. And so this disturbed a number of people inside the department. Um, and then it came to light that this badge bending uh, was still occurring. Um, it was known about before and it had thought to maybe have um, have abated and it was still occurring. And but the, excuse me, the assumption here is that it may have indeed been an incentive or a motivation since these were badges of honor and they were celebrated uh, according to the story. That, that is exactly the concern that law enforcement officials have expressed to us. And 
Let me read a comment from a listener who says, does money paid for settlements come from the general fund or some other source of money? Why doesn't that motivate cops to not brutalize people? Interesting question. Your thoughts, Jeffrey? Sure. So up until uh, just a couple of years ago, Vallejo had a uh, an insurance pool which paid for all but $500,000 um, of settlements. It was the $500,000 self insurance retention amount. Um, think of it as sort of a, a deductible. Um, and in 2018-2019, the city ends up being kicked out of this insurance pool, which had been in good standing for 31 years, uh, specifically because of these high rates of and high amounts of settlements. Uh, for example, the, the, the Huskins settlement where a rape victim was accused of um, making it all up. Her boyfriend, now husband, um, was accused of killing her. And then when she turned up safe, it, it was um, deemed a hoax. They settled for $2.5 million. And the city paid for 500000 of that, and the insurance paid for $2 million of that. Well, we got dropped from our insurance. And so now our self-insurance rate is $2.5 million annually. So the city has to pay 2.5 million rather than 500,000 um, out of the general fund that, and people say, you know, this is money that could go to seniors. It could go to school, well, um, to school facilities, to uh, repairing roads, to uh, hiring and, and holding accountable police. Um, it could go to a number of things and instead it's going to civil rights payouts. Well, since you mentioned uh, that whole event with uh, Denise Hawkins, uh, we have another police officer, uh, or police captain, uh, Andrew Bidou, I guess, uh, involved in that, former chief. What The story was that he said burn the kidnapping victim uh, who he wrongly accused of being involved in a hoax. Uh, where, where did you get that story from? So that's actually, our, our story is actually focused on the badges, um, but that is in Captain Whitney's claim. Uh, and it sounds like it's going to be in his lawsuit as well. Wow. Uh, again, if you just joined us, we're talking to Jeffrey King, who's founder and editor of Open Vallejo and founder and CEO of the Inform California Foundation. When you say that maybe the way to um, do this is to uh, move toward defunding the police or starting over as far as the whole police force is concerned, uh, uh, where does City Hall stand on that? Uh, I, I know, for example, that uh, the city manager, Jeff Nyhoff, uh, Vallejo city manager, was apparently, according to the story that you reported, informed about these badges and um, pretty much denied that he knew anything about it. He has come around somewhat about his knowledge, uh, as have others, but the bottom line is that <clears throat> I used to work at a... Um, a press freedom organization focused on journalists outside the United States, largely uh, doing their work in authoritarian systems. And um, I can tell you without hyperbole that Vallejo reminds me in some ways of those situations. Um, City Hall is entirely disinterested in any sort of defunding or disbanding or deep reform, it seems. Um, you know, I say that as an observer, not as an activist. Um, in addition, people who do speak up receive threats. Um, they are harassed. Uh, I've received threats. Other journalists I know have received threats. 
uh, civil rights lawyers I know who have, have received threats. And so um, it's this sort of strange authoritarian fiefdom, 45 minutes outside of San Francisco. And it's also my hometown, which is why, um, you know, I figured I would try and shed a light. But at this point, Vallejo is um, not something I would call in line with democratic self-governance. And it seems that um, intervention by somebody, the FBI, uh, the California Department of Justice is going to be required to shake some of this loose. Let me bring another caller on from Sacramento. Sam joins us. Sam, good morning and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I've listened to you for decades. Um, I just wanted to give uh, a couple points. One anecdotal. Um, I grew up in Lake Tahoe and we had some pretty um, uh, stringent police officers, I guess would be one way to put it. Um, and the known thing was that these were um, malpracticing police officers that were from Vallejo and San Jose that got transferred up there because of things that they did. So um, that brings me to my second point, which you mentioned that you were doing a Google Sheet and building it into a database of uh, the previous um, uh, things that have happened. And I just wonder how far back your data goes, because I think you should go back to the 80s. Um, to, to check that. And then uh, my father was a police officer in Oakland in the 70s, and he quit after they killed some Black Panthers, and he said, you know, the problem with being a police officer is that when all that you look for is bad, pretty soon that's all you can see. Um, so, yeah, I thank you for that, Sam. Let me go back to Jeffrey King on this. Jeffrey, you want to respond? Sure. I I think that those are both very, very good points. And um, we put a lot of burdens on our police, both here in Vallejo, in California, in this country, um, that could be handled by uh, other actors. And that can often lead, you know, uh, potentially over half of people killed by police, um, according to some numbers, are people with disabilities. Many people with mental health uh, crises are killed by police. And so um, I think that's why advocates are, or at least one of the reasons why advocates are um, trying to reimagine what policing might look like. In terms of the transfers, that's actually something that we're gonna be looking at. We have been quietly um, and sometimes not so quietly uh, in terms of we just filed a lawsuit, um, gathering data, gathering public records for a year. And one of the things we're going to be looking at is how transfers to and through Vallejo uh, have impacted policing here. So I'll give you an example. When Robert Nicolini, uh, who was a deputy chief in Oakland, came to Vallejo in 1995, uh, if you go back to the 1950s, you don't see more than a handful of transfers from Oakland to Vallejo. But once he becomes chief, you start to see it ramp up a little. Now, it's still a small department, about 100 officers. So I don't know that it's statistically significant, but uh, you can see it charted out. And they start coming in. You have the 2003 uh, federal oversight um, of OPD happen. You start seeing more people come in. And then eventually in 2014, you have six officers join. Um, nearly all of whom have been in very serious use of force incidents. Jeff, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're coming up to the end of the segment. Can you uh, actually give information about your podcast and where people can find it? 
Sure. So our podcast, um, the Open Vallejo podcast, is available on all major platforms, and you can read the story at openvallejo.org. And Sarah tweets, uh, Jeff, don't forget to mention that while knowing all this, the city of Vallejo still wants to buy the Vallejo Police Department a new headquarters on our waterfront. Jeffrey King, good to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have another segment of Forum Up Ahead. We're going to talk about, well, what's happening in Congress or not happening, as well as on the state level. That's all up ahead. Stay tuned. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.